Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you look at verse number 8, and if you were reading the very beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 13. And ushers, I'm going to let you all have a seat, and I appreciate you. 1 Samuel chapter 13, and look at verse number 8. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. Verse 8, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offering, And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. And I want you to notice the next three words because this is the title for this morning. I forced myself. Those are huge words right there. I forced myself. Would you, would you say those three words with me together out loud? Ready? I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue The Lord has sought him, a man after his own heart, and the Lord commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. This truth I became aware of in the pre-pandemic and in my study notes as I'm walking through. I then became very familiar with the fact of this story And then through the years up until this point, I've gone back and I've looked at it in depth. I've kind of put it into my spirit and and, and I really wanted to preach it two years ago. But in this lesson, Saul is in his sophomore year of his reign. He was the very first king of Israel. The reign of Saul was a result of the rejection of God. So when you think about all of that is going on and And I know I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of a history lesson. And I know it may be familiar, but please don't get lost in the familiarity of it. Saul was the first king. The entire reason that he is king is because the people rejected God. When he chose Saul as king in his state of humility, Saul was just simply chasing donkeys in obedience to his father, and he found himself a kingdom. This was Saul. But something happened to Saul's obedience and Saul as king of Israel. He gets into the second year of his reign, and now he faces a panic 
situation. He faces as king his very first encounter with the odds not being in his favor. The odds are not in his favor. Saul represents God. He stood head and shoulders above everybody. This represents the fact that where they may have rejected God as their leader and as their king, God said, fine, then I'm going to physically give you a representation of who I am and that I walk head and shoulders above everybody. And, 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 and literally, if you and I were in a crowd, it would be like he would be head and shoulders and you could say, boy, that guy's tall. Well, this was Saul. Saul now is the king of Israel. Saul faces its very first situation that caused panic. In fact, if you will look at the, um, at the beginning in verse number seven, if you will, and if you'll go to First Samuel chapter 13 and kind of let me get back there, First Samuel chapter 13, and kind of look ahead of this, and all his Israel heard uh, say, verse number four, that Saul had spent the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel also was in abomination with the Philistines, and the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. Look at verse five. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And look at this next phrase. And people as the sand, which is on the seashore, and the multitude. Look at verse six. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, and I want you to notice this verse. For the people were, help me out here, were what? distressed. Then the people did what? Hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal and all the people followed him. What? Trembling. Please know Saul is king. Saul now steps into his very first situation that he is surrounded, he is outnumbered, he is now in a strait, the Bible says, but please look at the people around. In church, this is not an idle sermon for the sake of filling time. I think that this is not indicative of where the average church is at, and if this story is not indicative of where we're at as a church, I'm just not coming to you as somebody trying to preach a, a great message or whatever. We're living this in real time. This is so surreal that Saul is facing being overwhelmed. He's looking around. He doesn't have but a few thousand men with him. This army has gathered. Saul has become an abomination to the Philistines. He reached up and smote a garrison, and the Philistine nations flipped on him, and they're coming after this first king of Israel. And now he's in a situation to where the people were distressed. They started hiding in caves and thickets and rocks and high places and pits. They then decided to run. Some of them, the Bible said, ran back over Jordan to get back over on safe side. And then Saul stayed, and even the people that were with him were trembling. Part of the people left. 
Part of the people hid themselves. Part of the people wanted to go someplace else. And even the people left were like, are we going to make it? Are we going to be okay? Are you sure, Saul, this is going to turn out right? And all of a sudden, Saul's faith in the command of God is put to the test. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know how big your faith is until it's put to the test. Church, we don't know how big our faith is when it's put to the test. And there is that fine line that Saul finds himself in to where he knows what the command is, he knows what is to be done, but because he's losing and because people are leaving and because people are hiding and because people are in caves and because the people with him are trembling, there's this fear. Saul, I hadn't left you. Saul, I'm not going anywhere. But, but I got to tell you, is this thing going to turn out okay? Saul finds himself in a very difficult faith situation. How would Saul do on his first encounter? How would Saul do being outnumbered by the enemy? How would Saul do with the people being scattered out of fear? How would Saul do with people who are stayed, are an emotional wreck, and they're trembling? The only thing Saul had to hang on to was what the prophet told him. The prophet told him, and you'll find it referenced here in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 8. I want you to look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 8. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Samuel, the spiritual leader, told Saul to wait seven days. He would arrive. He would offer the burnt sacrifice. But Saul, all Saul had to do was obey. All Saul had to do was wait on the promise of God and wait on the command of God. But Saul was looking at the situation and he said this, we got a huge enemy. People are scattered. They're in caves and thickets and rocks and high places and pits. People have gone back over the side of Jordan. So Paul, in a sincere desire to unite the people, Saul failed in his faith. That, 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 that little word forced there, that word forced means that the banks were trying to contain it. The, the, the banks were, it, it literally means that, that the, the, it was swelling. The waters would swell and then the waters would eat, a, eat away at the side of the bank and it's getting ready to burst. And basically what Saul was saying was this, when the man of God asked him, he said, look, you didn't do what I told you to do. And look at verse number 12. And, and then therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself. What he was saying was, you don't understand. I got to a point to where I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to make a move. I just had to make a move. Church, listen to this. The most difficult time you'll be in is when the odds are against you and the enemy is overwhelming you. And then all of a sudden, your friends are running for the caves and people you love are running for the hills. 
and people you admire headed for the crest. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means it got something going on in their spirit that the fear became too big. Have you been there before? Am I talking our language right now? And that's where Saul was. Saul had never been here before. Saul had sought donkeys and found a kingdom. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody. Saul was the man. His first year of reign went well, but his sophomore year of reign cost him his kingdom because he forced himself. He felt like he was put in a position to where he had to make a decision. The enemy's out there. I'm overwhelmed. I'm being forsaken. I'm all alone. And the people that are with me are trembling. I'm forced to make a decision. Listen, God does not put you in that kind of position. God puts you in a position of faith, not a position of all this. I got to make a move. Ladies and gentlemen, the reality of danger will always put your faith and obedience to the test. Saul had a chance to lead the nation into a position of faith. But he feared. And because he feared, he forced something. And regardless of how bad the situation looks, panic is the fuel of disobedience rather than faith being the promise in God's timing. Now, it's very interesting in verse number 11, if you'll look at it, and Samuel said, what hast thou done? Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed. Look at verse number 10, if you'll back up. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made, look at that phrase, look at the phraseology there, that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, what's the next two words? Samuel came. Get, get the context of the story. Saul was like, I'm being overwhelmed. Everybody's forsaking me. They're running for the caves. They're running. They're not here. And even the people here are just like, what's going to happen? Saul says, good night. If somebody doesn't step up and do something, if somebody doesn't step up and do something, we're going to be done. Back before we had cell phones in the late 80s and early 90s, all you had was the office phone. I'm in the office getting ready, and we just finished Young Fundamentalist, and I'm cutting back through the office, uh, getting ready to head out with the uh, Meet the Choir staff and kind of meet in the conference room and, and pray with uh, Dad and, and the rest of the pastoral staff. And we're standing there. The phone rings, and, and uh, the secretary says, hey, it's a preacher on the phone. He wants to talk to you. And, um, and, 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 he, and I picked up the phone and said, yes, sir. He said, look, running late. Um, had a flat tire. I'm at a gas station. I'm on a pay phone. He said, look, get the service started, get everything running. And then he said these words, I will be there by the time Brother Duckett is done singing his solo. I will walk in in time to preach. I'm sitting on to his left where I sat for 22 years. And, 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 and as I'm sitting there, we're walking through the service. And all of a sudden, I get this overwhelming feeling He's not going to make it. Now look, there's got to be a sermon in here somewhere. But somebody's got to step up and do something. And so I'm saying he's not going to make it. There's no way he's going to make it. The choir gets done singing. 
We, we, we go through everything. Brother, Brother Duckett leaves his chair. Brother Duckett comes up and he sings. And then Brother Duckett turns and walks back. And there was that, that 30-second window of time that I said, somebody, somebody's got to get up and get it going. Because my father, and I'm the same way, I don't like lag. Something better be happening every second of the day. And so I'm sitting here, and I, and I thought, we got to go. The only thing I have is Jesus wept. It's going to be a short sermon, but we're going to get it done. I remember stepping up and going, take your Bibles and go to John chapter 11. And then all of a sudden, there was a hand on my shoulder that said, I told you I was coming. And I just turned around, and I went back and sat down. You know what Samuel said? You go, I'm going to be there in seven days. But because the odds were so overwhelming that some people think that it was like 30 minutes after, because the Bible tells us in verse number 10, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. The faith failure of Saul resulted in the loss of a kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, I can see it on some of your faces. There's a trembling. And sometimes when you have family and friends who decide, I don't want to do this anymore, then it's very easy for us to stand in a position to where it's like, what in the world is going on? The enemy seems bigger than life. I'm being forsaken. And even people around. And it's in these kind of times that I'm going to tell you this. God always keeps his word. It may seem like God is losing. God is not losing. It it may seem that everything we have believed is not right. Everything we believe is right. God is not losing. And I wanted to give you three words of encouragement from this passage of scripture. First of all, the enemy is not bigger than God. But we have to decide what is the enemy. You know what the enemy is? The enemy is not flesh and blood. Listen, the enemy is not flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is not a normal Sunday morning message. I didn't mean for it to be a normal Sunday morning message because everybody needs to understand there comes a time when the enemy of this world seems bigger. And is this the right way to raise our kids? Is is this the right way to have our marriages? Is, Is this type of worship the right way to do worship? Because the world, let me tell you something, the world wants to overshadow what you've been raised with and what the Bible says. And the world wants you to panic thinking that all of it is a lie. Is any of it true? Is all of it a lie? What is going on? Listen, the enemy is not bigger than God, but the enemy is not your family, and the enemy is not your friends, and the enemy is not this community. The enemy is the devil and the world and the flesh, and the devil and the world doesn't like your flesh, and gives me to the second thing I want to tell you. 
The enemy is not your family and friends. The enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know what the second enemy is? Would you please take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy 1, 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Boy, I hope that I'm making sense for you because I've been wrestling with this sermon for two and a half years. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to me. You can't panic now. Now's not the time. We were on a plane a couple of years ago before the pandemic, and, and it got a little bit rocky, and I sit in the exit aisle, and this lady got a little bit rocky, and she kept looking at that exit door. And I was like, ma'am, don't pull that exit handle. <laughs> ma'am, she said, but, but, but look how rocky it is. I said, ma'am, it may be turbulent on the outside, but right now sitting on the inside, we're in a much better position. You pull that handle, it's going to suck every one of us out of here. And ma'am, I don't want to go to heaven with you. And uh, so I'm just, I want to go to heaven, but never mind. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of what, please? Fear. Did you see that? God hath not given us the spirit of what? Fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a what? Sound mind. When we come to this passage of scripture and Saul in, in his first First, as a king, encountering, going, okay, what is going on? The enemy's huge out there. Everybody's running for the hills. Everybody's going someplace else. And even the people that are with me, they're like scared half to death. If I don't do something, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. Please listen to me. The moment you're scared half out of your mind, is the moment that you circle back around and you just go, what did God say in his word? Because what God said in his word, that's what we're going to do. But pastor, everybody else, what God said in his word, that's what we're going to do. But pastor, the enemy, what God said in his word, that's what we're going to do. His word was good enough to raise Bob Gray II to this point. And his word will be good enough to raise everybody else's children to that point. And please listen to me, moms and dads. Listen to me, new, new, new parents with, with, with young ones. Listen to me, those of you with teenagers, you better listen to your pastor. Been down that road that you're right now are getting into. Don't let everybody run for the rocks and the hills and the caves make you think that you need to change and you need to make a move and, and you just can't take anymore. Listen to me, you got to hang in there. Parents, you got to hang in there. Don't give in right now. Don't give up right now. We've come too far by faith, and it was good enough to get you where you're at. And just because the enemy seems overwhelming, you cannot, you cannot force a move. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, I'm just scared that my kids don't, don't live there. Parent in faith, not fear. Parent in faith, not fear. 
Now remember, our enemy is not our family. Our enemy is not our friends. Our enemy is that devil out there that brings fear and he helps people, he makes people think that this world's bigger than God's world and this world's not bigger than God's world. God's world's bigger than this world. And our God saw our parents through something like this. Our God saw me through something like this and our God will see you through it. I forced myself. Saul was like, you don't understand. You don't understand. Did you see the enemy? Did did you see that they're like the sands of the sea? Right now, is the fear real? You know what the answer is? Yes, it's real. The second thing I want to tell you is this. Your friends are not the litmus test for obedience. Your friends are not the litmus test. Your family's not the litmus test. Your friends and family are not the standard. Oh, oh, look, look, they're running. Is there something I don't know? No. There's nothing you don't know. When people panic and they get scared, Y'all, look at me. I know it's very quiet right now. But we all got to come to grips with this. If we force something, and we're like, I just can't take it anymore. It's too much. We have to calm down, and we have to realize that look at verse number 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, Then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and rocks and in high places and pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Saul started panicking because the people started leaving. Saul started panicking because of the fact that people were scared. Paul started panicking, and he felt something he had never felt before. He, he, he had been through four lands chasing donkeys when he was not the king. He had been through four lands obeying his daddy, Kish, and he found the donkeys, and in it, he found a kingdom. And he forgot the rule of thumb when it comes to leadership, and leadership is this. You stand in the midst of what may seem like the ship is going down, and what. It, and by the way, we're not going down. But I just. But 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 you may seem like that your world's going down, and you stand there, and you stand on the deck of that thing while the winds are beating you half to death, and you just stand erect, and you just shout to the world. God knows what he's doing. God is in control. And I'm going to keep this ship on the high seas. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. As long as we're obeying the commands of the book. As long as we are doing what God wants us to do. Then I don't feel forced. There's not another vehicle to do the spiritual truths of this book except to obey the spiritual truths of this book. Can I say that again? There is not another vehicle to do the spiritual truths of this book except to obey the spiritual truths of this book. 
The last thing I want to show you is something that helped me more than anything else two and a half years ago. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I just want to help you today that if you feel like, oh, pastor, pastor, I'm losing all my friends around me. I'm losing my family around me. I'm losing all this. Let me tell you something. Now's not the time. Don't feel like you're forced to make a decision because your God is an amazing God. I want you to notice this in 1 Samuel 10, 8. This is the original command. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal. Now, this is three chapters earlier. And thou shalt go down with me before to Gilgal. And behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice the sacrifices of peace offering. Look at the command, 1 Samuel 10, 8. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee. I want you to notice this. This command, was, there, there was not an enemy when Saul was given this command. There, the people were united behind their first king when Saul was given this command. Saul was fully committed to the command when there weren't any problems. Did you hear that? When he was given the command, go tarry seven days, he was like, I'm going to go tarry seven days. He had no idea that those seven days of obedience would be put to the test with an army that was overwhelming, with people that were departing, and with fear and trade. He had no idea, but he knew this. God gave me that command three chapters earlier, and this is what I'm supposed to do. He marched to Gilgal with full intent. Think about this. He marched to Gilgal with everybody behind him, everybody on the same page, and he got to this place in Gilgal only to find out This isn't turning out like I thought it was going to turn out back there. I thought it was going to be one big revival. Listen, when your world starts falling apart because you're obeying God's word, this is not the time to feel like you're forced to do something. Because look at the next phrase that ends out this verse. This, I shouted over. Look at it. I, look what it says there. And I will, until sh- uh, I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt what do. Do you know that we won't know what the next is until after we obey in the face of panic? Did y'all hear that? The third word I want to bring to you this morning is this the next comes after you obey in the face of panic. When I signed up to live this kind of Christian life in my chapter 10, when I signed up to live this kind of Christian life in chapter 10 of my life, but when it comes right down to the seven days of it, you and I don't know what we're made of. And I am not against anybody who's left our church. And I need to say that loud and clear. Because I'm taking a hit right now that I'm judging people who have left our church. Bob Gray II does not judge anybody who's left our church. I pray for people who have left. These are family and friends of a lifetime. But in the chapter 10 of Bob Gray's life, In July of 1984, when God said to Bob Gray, I am the great I am, 
and you follow me and I'll bless you. He has blessed me. And standing in the seven days to where it's like, what in the world? My enemy is the devil. My enemy are the powers of Satan. But I can't wait for that next. And I know that next only comes after you obey. And I'm talking to moms and dads right now, and I'm talking to grandparents right now, and I'm talking to young parents right now, and I'm talking to all of you, I think, right now. I'm talking to you teenagers right now. That you're like, when I decided to serve the Lord back here, I, I didn't know that that seven days in Gilgal would be like that. But your God knew. Do you know what God wants from us? God wants for us to step up and just say, he said he'd be here. And he'll be here. He said. He said. Y'all, if you feel like, boy, I don't know how much more I can take, always remember this, he took it all for you. I could understand if we were peddling dope in the hallways. I could understand if we were peddling beer. I could understand if we had beer in the concession stand at the ball games. It doesn't get this much more raw on a Sunday morning. But I think somebody needs to say it. The enemy is not your family and your friends. The enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that the people who out of fear or whatever reason, does they're not the litmus test. The litmus test is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the litmus test. And then the last thing is this, whatever that next is, we're gonna have a good time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.